0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Bankers podcast series, Banking in Transition. In this series, the Bankers editors are speaking to industry experts from across financial services to explore how banking is responding to global challenges and trends, such as the COVID-19 pandemic, sustainability, and the drive for increased technological innovation. I'm Marie Kempley, the Bankers Investment Banking and Capital Markets Editor, and in this podcast I'm joined by Umesh Gadria, Global Head of Index Linked Products at Bloomberg. Thanks for joining me today, Amesh.
1: Thank you for having me, Marie.
0: In this podcast, we're going to be discussing LIBOR transition in the US dollar markets. Not a new topic by any means, but I think it's fair to say there has been some real ramping up of activity within the US in recent months to focus on this issue. And as a very brief reminder, LIBOR, of course, stands for London Interbank Offered Rate. It is a benchmark that is available in five different major currencies and had been the benchmark of choice across numerous types of financial contract for decades. But it is due to be phased out and replaced with alternative reference rates in the coming months and years. And in the US, we have just passed a pretty significant milestone at the end of June, where there are now just six months remaining until the date that bank regulators have advised market participants to stop using US dollar LIBOR in the US outside of certain limited circumstances. And June 30th was also the date where the Alternative Reference Rates Committee, the ARC, recommended that market participants ceased new issuances of derivatives, securitizations, and business loans that reference the US dollar LIBOR. So a lot of activity has happened, um, a lot still to come to. Uh, to start with, Amesh, can you give us a brief summary of where the US dollar markets are in the LIBOR transition process, uh, particularly in terms of looking ahead to some key dates and events coming up as well?
1: The loan market in particular has been a little slow in terms of moving off a of flyboard as some work has to be done in that regard. However, um, on the positive front, the ARC and the CFTC's MRAC Committee, uh, the Market Risk Advisory Committee, have been hard at work in uh, developing the SOFR First Initiative, which is essentially a best practice recommendation to encourage the interdealer brokers to start changing coding conventions from LIBOR to SOFR in the interdealer swap market. So, the switch is set to occur on July 26th, with the goal uh, being to boost swap trading and provide sufficient Mm -hmm. volume and liquidity in the swap market to support a SOFR term rate. So we should see a uh, term rate recommendation uh, fairly quickly uh, after the July 26 date, which will help uh, market participants follow their recommendation and and quickly make progress um, in in all market segments, essentially. So if you look ahead a little bit, the Treasury needs to finalize a set of proposed rules designed to provide tax relief for amendments that uh, will be made to incorporate fallbacks or more robust rates, and other regulators will likewise be examining their rules to determine whether additional relief is as necessary. And we also expect to see a push for legislative solutions to address the tough legacy issue So here in the U.S., the House Financial Services Committee held a hearing in April, and in the next few months, uh, we may see a bill introduced with a goal of getting legislation across the finish line. And at the same time, we expect to see certain states advance uh, legislation similar to the New York State legislation that you've seen. Uh, So we feel these efforts are important to provide certainty to market participants and facilitate an orderly transition.
0: How has the US approached this differently to other geographies? Because I know there have been some differences, right?
1: You know, each country has its unique challenges that differ based on the market, the universe of available rates, um, and the level of exposure essentially to LIBOR. And uh, in general, the U.S. market continues to lag the U.K. market in terms of transitioning to alternate rates, uh, as we've seen with some of the stats that have been put out in front of us. Uh, Sonia has been, uh, for you know, has been around uh, a reasonably liquid market for many years in the U.K. Uh, and the market seems very comfortable with the compounded Sonia for the vast majority of their use cases. But on the U.S., uh, on the other hand, given the size of the market, and along with that comes a, a very big diversity of uh, the types of clients and how they use it, uh, there continues to be strong demand for, uh, let's say, sofer and other forward-looking or credit sensitive rates to ensure that it meets all their needs as they continue to get off of LIBOR.
0: You've mentioned um, secured overnight financing rate or sofa, um already, just then in your answer and, and previously as well. You know, and that's been identified obviously as the the recommended alternative re- reference rate for US dollar transactions. You know, once once LIBOR has been phased out. You know, what are the key things for people really to be aware of in terms of how that's going to work versus LIBOR? Because there are some pretty key differences, aren't there?
1: Sure. So uh, SOFR, as you mentioned, the uh, uh, the recommended rate by the by the ARC and the regulators is a very robust uh, rate, but it's a um, collateralized overnight rate. And just to compare it to what people have been used to, a U.S. dollar rate had an embedded credit premium and uh, is available in multiple tenors, right? So with uh, term SOFR coming up, you can solve part of that problem um, by a forward-looking rate. Uh, but we have to wait till the underlying SOFR market is liquid enough, which is right in front of us. And once that happens, then that rate can be available. However, there's still a missing component, which is a credit component, which some parts of the market, um, you know, do still need. in order to apply for or periods greater than let's say one day, given that it's an overnight rate, the market generally compounds the daily rates or the relevant interest period so that the final interest amount is only known at the end of the period. Now that works very well for the vast majority of the market, such as especially the derivatives market, which is a huge portion of it. Now, just going back to LIBOR, in LIBOR's case, the fixing applicable to an interest period was known at the start of the interest period, which is why people you know, can Continue to say, "Hey, I need to know this rate in advance." But supporting the new conventions relating to sulfur will require system and modeling work and a lot of end-user education. So that's what we've been spending a lot of time uh, with our clients, and and the market itself has, uh, you know, through ARC and through fe- and other official sector, trying to understand how the new regime will work, uh, given the differences you talked about, and not just them understanding it, but their systems being able to handle it
0: yeah and you've you've referenced the the arc or the alternative reference rates committee and and other regulators you know and they've all been i think it's fair to say promoting uh, sofa really is the the reference rate of, of choice but you mentioned that there are these issues around the fact that, that the new rate won't have any kind of credit sensitivity element within it and i know that that is those uh, that bloomberg does actually offer some credit sensitive rates you know what potential role could could they play in the market do you think going forward
1: yeah so Bloomberg has uh, developed a credit sensitive rate given the uh, demand from clients especially more on the US side Uh, again just because there is a a little gap and when you look at the overall transition from LIBOR to SOFR Um, so us along with some of our other peers have come up with uh, different types of rates but essentially all called uh, the world knows knows them as CSRs credit sensitive alternatives rates and uh, for various reasons so like in the lending market if you look at um you know uh, the CSRs, they're essentially reflecting a bank's funding cost right that ensures the availability of credit during the times of market stress so you you see corporates typically having revolvers having certain big type of business loans and they're tied up to tied to a floating rate um so that's the same or a similar rate uh, that that Bloomberg, in terms of Bizbee, will be providing and helping that market. But it'll ensure that the, l- the lending community or um, liquidity continues to exist during all market conditions, especially during times of stress. Now, it's not just uh, a US market issue, essentially. Uh, if you look at other markets, they all have credit sensitive rates alongside risk free rates. So you look at URIBOR coexists with the Euro SDR. You have TIBOR, which is a credit sensitive rate alongside TONA, a risk free rate in Japan. You have CDOR, which is a credit sensitive rate in Canada alongside CORA. And the more reformed uh, BBSW, the bank bill swap rate, uh, which is also a credit sensitive rate uh, in Australia as well. So there's nothing new. The market has coexisted with um, uh, with credit center rates or other alternate rates uh, for different use cases. And it kind of goes back to the more uh, diverse you will see uh, certain use cases or clients in the market, the more diverse their needs will be. And so it's important that we make sure that clients uh, have their needs fulfilled and their business continues to function during all types of market conditions as we get towards the uh, end of the year and hit the deadlines to get off of LIBOR.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your views and experiences with us today, Amesh. Uh, Clearly a lot of uh, interesting developments to keep our eye on in the coming months. Um, That's all for this podcast, but you can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast, as well as following our discussions at thebanker.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.